At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. I mean, you can't really think about it too much. Um, I know for me, um, just you just got to come in, do your job every single day, and uh, find ways to get better and find ways to help help the team win. I'll give the 2022 Pittsburgh Pirates credit for one thing: they sure do know how to bury a losing streak. The current seven-game slide for the Buccos started July 24th on a Sunday of last week, just before Steelers training camp opened. So no one in Pittsburgh noticed. Now it's up to seven games in advance of Major League Baseball's trade deadline, and as a result, they can ditch whoever they want for prospects, and no one in Pittsburgh will care. I'm Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. It's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook invites you to add some variety to your baseball bets with new same-game parlays. Every game this baseball season, you can combine game bets and player props to create your perfect Bet Rivers combination. Whether you're looking to increase your payouts on favorites or make your own long shot, you can add a little extra spice to your game with same-game parlays at Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and make your baseball same-game parlays today. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll get to more baseball in a little bit, but first, the Deshaun Watson news. Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson will have to serve a six-game suspension for violating the league's personal conduct policy following accusations of sexual misconduct. Watson will face no additional fine. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, disciplinary officer Sue Robinson issued that ruling Monday morning. Sunday night, Dan Graziano of ESPN reported that there was a gap in negotiations toward a settlement that the two sides couldn't overcome. 
The NFL wasn't willing to accept anything less, less than a 12-game suspension, and Watson's camp was only willing to go as far as six to eight games, so that's why a settlement couldn't be reached. Meanwhile, the NFL Players Association put out a statement on Sunday insisting that it wouldn't challenge the ruling on Watson's behalf via appeal regardless of the outcome. It asked the NFL to take the same approach. Either side would have three days to submit an appeal in writing. As Graziano explained on Twitter, the context here is that either side can appeal a ruling it doesn't like, and Commissioner Roger Goodell would hear the appeal. The union is trying to avert a situation in which the league overturns the ruling of a jointly appointed neutral arbitrator. That was his explanation, and it makes a lot of sense. The Steelers visit Cleveland in Week 3 on Thursday night. They host the Browns in Week 18 at Akershore Stadium. Cleveland also faces the Jets, Panthers, Chargers, and Patriots during that stretch. Jets, Panthers, Falcons, Chargers. Why didn't I notice this before? Cleveland really could win three of those games at least in that stretch. Uh, probably they'll go two and two, but I think three and one is within reach, not out of the question. And of course, we need to keep in mind that this is all the result of Watson being accused of sexual harassment and assault by 24 massage therapists in Texas. He has settled 20 of the civil lawsuits filed against him. So we can bloviate, pontificate, opine. We can stand on our moral soapboxes. We can take whatever public opinion we want on the moralizing of whether or not Deshaun Watson should be playing so quickly in the NFL or in the NFL at all. And we can go in depth as we want on the suspension and what it says about the National Football League for as much as we want to. We can argue about whether or not the NFL should appeal or not as well, but what we do here in the Pittsburgh CityCast is talk about the implications of what's happening and how they affect gambling lines. That's what this show does. That's what this podcast does. And it's not the most important angle to this story, not by a long shot, but it is our job. It's what we do. And Watson's pending suspension has been a huge story in this sector because so many bets, especially those associated with the Steelers, have been held up by the what-if surrounding if Watson would be suspended, and if so, for how long? For instance, before Watson's suspension, the Browns' gambling odds at most places I saw were about plus 3,000 for the Super Bowl, roughly 15 to 1,600 for the AFC. To win the AFC North, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of plus 250 to plus 300. After the suspension was only six games, they shrank to plus 2,000 for the Super Bowl, uh, roughly plus 1,000 for the AFC, and the AFC North is around plus 225. At Bet Rivers, the over-under is set at 9.5 for the Browns now and plus 103 for the over, minus 125 for the under. I still like the under, by the way. Um, those numbers that I just gave you, the over-run for the Browns that's specifically set at Bet Rivers, the other ones I gave were just kind of eyeballing different outlets to see where the money had moved. The Steelers' exact order of finish went from minus 155 to finish last in the AFC North on Thursday when we last did the CityCast and grew to minus 167 because there's more faith in the Browns not being last now. The Steelers' chances of making the playoffs have extended to minus 400 against qualifying because of Watson being reinstated after the sixth game 
and it's plus 305 for the Steelers to make it. I think the plus number to make it was around 280 last week, and the against money was about 155. So already the impact of Watson's suspension being known is impacting the books. It's impacting the rest of the AFC North, not just the Browns. Even the Bengals have ticked up from plus 190 or plus 195 to win the division up to plus 200 because of this news. So keep that in mind as you make your football futures bets or as you kind of peruse where the money is shifting around. Meanwhile, let's get back to the Pirates in Major League Baseball. With the Pirates having lost seven in a row now, I'm wondering how much more willing we should be to bet against the Pirates nonstop for August and September. But then again, how many veterans do they really have to pawn off this season at the deadline on Tuesday? Jose Quintana for sure, but beyond him, what other veterans are suitable trade bait that would cause a stir if they were to be traded or impact your betting strategy? Reports dating back to March are that the team hasn't shown much interest in engaging in trade talks about Brian Reynolds. That's good. That's the smart thing to do. One MLB.com report suggested that all-star David Bednar is being shopped. That would be bad because I think city ordinances now require that we have to play Renegade at both stadiums on the north side at least one time per sporting event. Regardless of who is dealt and who stays, the Pirates' usual summer lull has plummeted them into further irrelevance on the Pittsburgh sports scene. Now that said, crowds were pretty good at PNC Park this weekend for that four-game series against the Phillies. Saturday night was a sellout. Friday was 70% full. Even Sunday and Thursday were over half full at 19000 and change. Now, though, let's see what happens without a fireworks night or a cross-state rival in town with the Phillies. It looked like there were just as many Phillies fans in the building over the weekend as there were Pirates fans. Between Billy Joel on August the 11th, the twice-postponed hair metal extravaganza with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joe Jett at the 12th, then Metallica and Greta Van Fleet on August the 14th, those acts may be the only reason to visit PNC Park the rest of the summer. Then again, aside from Greta Van Fleet, those bands have all been playing the same tunes for the last 30 years, just like the Pirates. The only difference is people enjoy that music, enjoy that kind of nostalgia. What the Pirates are giving us right now in terms of nostalgia, it feels like a return to the 20 years of darkness we witnessed. That's not nostalgia I like. It feels like 93 through 2012 again. This latest iteration of Bucko Baseball now has the Pirates at 40-62. and 62. That's last place in the National League Central with a winning percentage of 392. As we've turned the calendar to August, only the Washington Nationals have a worse record than the Pirates at 35-68. and 68. That's a 340 winning percentage. The Pirates are at 392. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds, who started the year at 3-22, and 22, now have a better mark than the Pirates at 40 and 61. You heard Brian Hayes earlier. He sat out Sunday's defeat with a sore knee. He pointed to two specific shortcomings with the Pirates' bats right now that need to be addressed. I think on the offensive side, we have to be a lot better um, as a collective, um, not leaving guys on base. Uh, I know myself, I've left a lot, like this last month or so i mean i've left a lot of guys on base with less than two outs um, whenever guys are at second third um, so i think it's just being better uh, better in those situations and then i feel like early on in the in the game i think we could be as a collective i think we should we could be a lot more aggressive um, like those first pitch fastballs and things like that 
the point about hitting with runners on base is more easily quantifiable. So let's start with that. The Pirates have a team OPS of just 658 when it comes to hitting with runners on base. That's the worst in the National League and 28th overall. They're also hitting 224 with runners on base, the worst batting average in all of Major League Baseball with runners on base. They're hitting 202 with runners in scoring position, also worst in MLB. They are at 618 for an OPS. That's the bottom of Major League Baseball's stat sheet in that category as well. In the last three games, the Phillies series alone, the Pirates managed just five runs in 29 innings. They won a combined four for 24 with runners in scoring position and stranded 20 men on base. In part because of those numbers, the Pirates are last in the National League and runs scored at 363. In terms of being more aggressive on fastballs early in counts and in games, Hayes may be onto something there when he mentioned that, especially when they take the first pitch for a strike. MLB.com stats indicate that the Pirates are hitting 169 when they are behind in the count, the worst in all of Major League Baseball. They have just 110 hits on the first pitch, only two teams. The Brewers and the Cardinals have fewer. The Brewers, Guardians, and Cardinals are the only teams in baseball that swing at the first pitch less often than the Pirates do at 27.1%. If the Pirates hitters are going to jump on the first pitch more often, they need to be more effective either on that swing or for the rest of the at-bat if they don't successfully put the ball in play. They need to be able to make more contact when they swing. Pirates hitters have 955 strikeouts. That's the most in the National League. Don't expect things to turn around quickly for the Pirates. Their next three games are against the NL Central leading Brewers. Then they go on the road for nine games in Baltimore. Arizona and San Francisco no team in the National League has more road losses than the Pirates do at 33 after the trade deadline culls the roster even more than what it already is this team will be even more about developing young players and even less about team results than it has been for the first four months of the season and the last eight years since their last playoff appearance so when Motley Cruz sings same old situation in two weeks at PNC Park the irony will be too much to ignore. So keep all those numbers in mind when you consider betting unders for the Pirates. You might be inclined to do so. Keep those road numbers in mind the next 9 out of 12 games with 3 against the Brewers, including tomorrow against Corbin Burns at home. Then those 9 road games where the Pirates stink. You can't bet against the Pirates tonight. They're idle, and the Buccos at least are unbeaten against idle. They have idle's number. Tomorrow, though, big on the Brewers with Burns on the mound. Today, I'm all about the Mets with Max Scherzer against Patrick Corbin and the Nationals. Also, Logan Webb pitching at home for the Giants against the Dodgers at plus 120. That might be a worthwhile venture. All right, we come back. Madden Monday. Uh, Mark Madden from 105.9 The X. He joins me, as he always does. Keep in mind when we're speaking here that the uh, Madden Monday podcast taped in advance of the Deshaun Watson decision that was made. We taped Sunday night in advance of the Watson situation. So uh, just understand that when you listen back to what we had to say, but Mark kind of nails it. I mean, just I, I leave it in there because Mark hit the nail on the head about the NFLPA strategy and why they put out that statement when they did, because it's clear they knew what the suspension was going to be. And based on Dan Graziano's report, that thinking jibes that they were willing to accept six games. And that's why they, presented what they did in regards to that public release that they tweeted out on Sunday night. So the Mad Monday podcast up next. 
This is the Pittsburgh CityCast, and it's brought to you by BetRivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. BetRivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Mad Monday, brought to you by BetRivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Tim Benz and Mark Madden. You can read Mark at Trib Live four times a week, and you can listen to him Monday through Friday on 105.9 The X. Mark will be making his triumphant return to Sharkies in Westmoreland County along Route 30 in Latrobe, just up the road from St. Vincent College on Tuesday. That's where his show will be. After will be, no doubt, Mark, another round of quarterback, quarterback, quarterback analysis from seven shots and all the other drills the Steelers are doing. Apparently, Kenny Pickett's career as Steeler quarterback is already over. I hope he enjoyed it while it lasted. Well, the seven shots drill, that gets so much play in the media, maybe because it's the only thing that's tangible in the early days of camp. You know, the offense either scores or it doesn't. There's a winner, there's a loser. But boy, the microanalysis of how the quarterbacks have performed in seven shots and in the drills, too, it's been amazing. But I think the Steelers have handled the quarterback position exactly as I would have. I've written that in the trip. I've said it on my show. Uh, Pickett's not going to play much this year, if at all. The only thing that gets him behind center is, is injury or if the team does so bad so soon that there's nothing to be gained by playing the veteran quarterbacks. Uh, I think Pickett's going to be inactive in the early part of the season. Uh, Mason Rudolph's had a very good camp. He's arguably been the best performing of the three quarterbacks. So I think the Steelers put together a game plan on what to do when Ben retired. They gave themselves a lot of options. I think out of the three, I don't know if one's going to succeed good enough to make the playoffs. And I think it is going to be Trubisky to start the season. I think that was preordained from the minute they signed him. But uh, I think they've done a great job at the quarterback position. I really do. And I think they'll continue to. I think the analysis of Pickett only running with the third team has overrun the lack of attention given to, I think, Mark, the reality that the curve for Trubisky to catch up with the Steelers is steeper than what we were assuming because there has been a significant degree of struggle for him, perhaps more than what people were expecting because of all the hype surrounding how quickly he could fit in with the Steelers' offense. Yeah, that's for sure true, but I think he'll catch up uh, relatively quickly because he is a veteran. Uh, I think he's just uh, got to pick up the offense, but if this was a legitimate quarterback competition, Tim, Mason Rudolph would win it. He's winning it now, that's for sure. Based on what I've seen, he's definitely been the best of the three quarterbacks. Where I will give credit to Trubisky is literally, Mark, from practice one on, I felt like he has been the most willing to push the ball down the field and work on the design of the play as opposed to checking down for the sake of completing a pass so guys like us can write Mitch Trubisky was four or five in team drills today. Yeah, and I wonder with how it is micro-reported if, if, if a Mason Rudolph, say, isn't trying to put up good stats in practice, which is weird, but we hear the practice stats every day, don't we? We do. I will also say, though, as practice has gone along, He's caught up on that train and started to push the ball down the field a little bit more as well. And I think that's had something to do with 
maybe the other receivers that he's working with, you know, a new guy in Olszewski, a new guy in the rookie Austin, a new guy in a couple other rookies, uh, figuring things out as well. And I think he feels more comfortable pushing it down the field to them now. What a, a problem with the, with what's happened in camp so far, period. I mean, the weak spots are still the weak spots, but maybe there's more strong points than I initially figured. I think the team is going to be perhaps a bit better than I, I would have said before camp started. And shame on me for overreacting to, you know, play, practicing without pads. I guess they put on the pads uh, today, Monday, uh, as as people are listening to this. But uh, but, uh, you know, I just don't see much to criticize yet, not with any player, not with how they've done it. I mean, what do you think? I, Mark, stand by what I said about the picket situation in week one or two of OTAs, which is if they are going to wed themselves to Trubisky one, Rudolph two, picket three, to me that doesn't render the picket pick as a bad selection. It's not even a bad choice to go with a quarterback it just renders moot the reason why they did it because they kept telling us they were doing it because he was 24, mature, all those ACC starts under his belt. Boy, he could come in and play, and he's ready for the NFL far more than anybody else on the board of the position. Well, if you're going to have him be third string anyway, and that was the plan the whole time, that part doesn't really matter, does it? You just They well, just better be right about his ceiling. Now, now hold it. When, when they said he was more NFL-ready than anybody else, that's a comparative statement. It doesn't mean he's NFL ready. And uh, Trey Lance went third last year. He started two games in San Francisco. Patrick Mahomes went 10th in 2017. He started the last game of the season. That was it. So I don't think that the way they're handling Pickett is exactly unprecedented. Well, yeah, and I wrote the Mahomes comp, and I, and I wrote about Brady, too. He only got three passes in his rookie season as well. Well, yeah, so, but he was a six-round pick. Understood. But my point being, you can't make a definitive ruling on a quarterback as good selection, bad selection, if he doesn't play his rookie season. I'm just saying where they have to be right about this is what his ceiling can be. You know, if we were led to believe, and I think a lot of people walked away with this assumption that he might not be a high-ceiling guy, but he's going to be able to help out the team quickly as the starting quarterback in the wake of Ben that last half of why they got him doesn't matter now. They've just got to be 100% right about how good he can be then. Yeah, I don't see an urgency to play him. Although, to be fair, if, if I were the Steelers and I didn't plan to play him, I wouldn't have drafted him. I would have got somebody to help right now at another position at a, at a spot of need of which there are many. But, uh, but, but yeah, I, he's 24, not 34. The clock's ticking, but not that hard. What do you think Deontay Johnson is thinking right now, Mark, after the contracts signed by DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel? Well, even more than them, Tim, here's a great stat. I just read on Twitter that in the ongoing offseason, 11 receivers have signed contracts with average annual values of $20 million or more. But uh, remember when you were a kid, Tim, and your mom said, well, if all your friends jumped off the bridge, does that mean you'd do it? I don't think the Steelers are going to jump off the bridge. No, because they have a new bridge ready to walk over, and his name is George Pickens. Yeah, who looks all, who looks great by all accounts. But uh, seriously, Tim, I think of those, and I don't have the list of receivers in front of me. I understand paying Debo. I understand paying DK. But of those 11 receivers, I would bet I would look at half of them and say, okay, why'd you give that guy that money when it's such an easy position to replace somebody at? 
An analogy that I'll draw, Mark, that this reminds me of is when Jordan Stahl was looking for his big money deal from the Penguins and they had two star centers in front of them and they had a track record of getting good young forwards and the cap was going to become difficult for them at just about the same time uh, getting uh, Malkin and, and Sid done. Sometimes a contract just has to expire and you can go make big money for somebody else. It just might not be with your team. Yeah, exactly. I I just think that maybe the Steelers will wind up being the smart team when it comes to these receivers, right? Maybe they'll be the ones making the, the right decision if they pass on extending Deontay as much as they may be in the minority. Understood. And I think that you're going to see a reversal to this when it comes to NFL teams and receivers because, you know, there's nine... 10 receivers that go in the top 35 to 40 picks every year. You can find them. You can trade for them. You can get them in free agency. You don't have to give them $20 million. Yeah. So, so what if, if the Steelers don't extend them and in light of the fact that Pickens already early days in camp, indeed with him being a rookie, but he's coming on strong. I'm fine with how they're handling it currently. That's for sure. Although, anywhere that Deontay's going to practice, if he's going to put on pads, what's the deal? I mean, at some point, they got to tell him, look, either put on pads or go home. And that might come to a head after this week. Maybe they'll give him one more week. I, I wonder if how Pickens is playing, Mark, is the catalyst to make that happen. Well, as I've been saying, Tim, he's got to understand that he's not T.J. Watt or Mika. But more importantly, he has to understand, and they should tell him, look, we're not going to sign you to an extension, period. So you can play and get paid and put up stats and earn your contract somewhere else, or you can just go home. But but this can't go on in a situation where they're not going to extend him. If it's extend or don't play, then he's not going to play. Especially, yeah, especially That's what I would do. No, no, I, I hear you. And, and especially because this is a new offense with new quarterbacks, aside from Rudolph, a lot's going to change. And, it's not just like a carryover of last year where you can do exactly the same thing and catch 107 balls again. Things are different now. Yeah, and, and, and T.J. Watt always knew he was going to sign, and they knew it too. Minka Fitzpatrick always knew he was going to sign, and they knew it too. Mark Madden from 105.9 The X and Trib Live here on the podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. I am kind of curious, Mark, how often they sprinkle in four wide receiver packages or frankly, just different looks than running 11 personnel all the time, one back, one tight end and three wide receivers, because along with Pickens, I'd argue that three of the other more impressive guys so far in camp, Miller, Olszewski and Austin, the other rookie wide receiver, they're all kind of true slot guys. The Steelers don't have one of those. They're making Claypool into that guy in their offense when they come out with three wide receivers. I wonder if they're going to be tempted to use more different looks besides just 11 personnel almost all the time. As I said frequently, I would go with double tight with the personnel they have. I think they're equipped to do that with Gentry and, and, and uh, Friermuth. I just don't think that Gentry equates into the potential of one of those three guys going off the field, meaning Claypool, Johnson, or Pickens? Well, it depends if Johnson's available, obviously. But, yeah. but I, I don't know. I, I still – but I think the Steelers are just more formidable and double tight. And if they're going to run the ball, like they say they're going to run the ball, and that offensive line isn't very good, although Frymer's not much of a blocker, is he? 
he isn't, uh, he's coming along in that regard. Gentry's gotten to be quite good and he's leaned out, put on some muscle mass. He looks like a monster out there. So yeah, they have talked about using two tight ends more. I don't know how often they'll ever throw out of it. Uh, they have to throw out of it occasionally just so that when Gentry comes in, the entire defense isn't saying, oh, okay, uh, let's put our run stop package out there because 85% of the time this is going to be a run. Tim, as I said earlier, I, I am more optimistic about the Steelers right this second than I thought I was going to be. But I still have a lot of doubts about that offensive line. I mean, a lot of doubts. And that's the one area we won't be able to truly analyze their play until they start playing games and maybe even beyond the Oh, I don't know, Tim. I, I can analyze anything based on seven shots. <laughs> well, if that's how we're analyzing it, then it's no wonder Pickett's struggling because if you're a third-team Steelers offensive lineman, that's saying something. Isn't it hilarious, though, how there are those who would say that Pickett's getting cheated and this is a travesty? It's just how life is for rookie quarterbacks. If this could happen to Patrick Mahomes sitting behind uh, Alex Smith, it could happen to Kenny Pickett sitting behind Mitch Trubisky. Well, and a lot of that is coming from, you know, the station across the street, which is Pitt's flagship, or more to the point now, Kenny Pickett's flagship. Yeah, whatever. I mean, i got to tell you, Tim, I don't think anybody's had the proper perspective on the Steelers quarterback situation from day one like I have. Not to pat myself on the back, but if I don't, who will? Mark, at the time that we are taping, the NFLPA not too long ago put out a statement about the Deshaun Watson arbitration decision uh, saying that they are not going to challenge the decision from Judge Robinson and they are hoping that the NFL won't as well. What do you read into that? That it's not a very long suspension. They already know it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think How long do you think it's going to be? When's it going to be released? Do we know? Uh, the reports are, multiple reports from multiple outlets are saying that it's going to be on Monday at some point. I'd like it to be Tuesday, so I have that material for Tuesday. <laughs> at Sharky's and Latrobe, of course. I already have enough I already have enough to talk about on Monday. Yeah, I, uh, I bet it's going to be four games. I was just about to say between four and eight. Yeah, I just, the fact that they said that, the fact that they said that leads me to believe it's not eight even. Because I think, I think there's a part of them would have been pissed about eight even. Four to six like Ben then. Yeah, I think, I think, I think as once the NFL said that there was no evidence of force or coercion and kind of the outrage and the cry for his head started to wane a little bit, I think eight became the new full season. The full season suspension would have been way too long for the NFLPA and for Watson's people. Now I think eight is because of the expectations. Pro Football Talk is predicting $10 million fine, four-game suspension. I think here in Pittsburgh, Mark, so long as it gets beyond week three when the Steelers play the Browns in that short week in Cleveland, people aren't going to carp. You know, if it comes right down to four to six for Ben, though, and that's such an obvious analogy to draw – that might get some complaining. Yeah, but don't forget the Steelers wanted Ben suspended and the Browns don't want Watson suspended. Oh, I don't forget that. But, you know, people have conveniently forgotten that as time has gone on. Maybe they should say, listen, in light of the Ben suspension, Watson could play against Pittsburgh both games. <laughs> How do you think that would go over? <laughs> I, I know I'd like it. I mean, not, not I want to see, you know, Ben embarrassed. But, you know, it's funny. If Watson gets a lenient suspension, the guy who should comment on it is Ben, but he won't, and he shouldn't. I think, I'd like to see comment, rather. 
You know, I, I think Ben might be done commenting for a while because he saw how that back and forth went with Cam Hayward and the response to the response to the response. And I think every every outlet had their say, Mark, with one of those guys. Did you get either Ben or Cam on your show to rebut somebody else's rebuttal? <laughs> no, oddly enough. Uh, I, think I'm, <laughs> I, I think I'm off the Ben friend list. I might even be off the Cam friend list. That's okay. It doesn't bother me at all. I, I was ben, I, I supported Ben when it counted, but I, I bet he's forgotten that. Uh, How much but, of what uh, he said do you support? Oh, I thought everything Ben said initially before he backpedaled was 100% gospel. That it is a a me first team and not a team team. But he backpedaled shamefully. And, you know, and Cam's saying that Deontay Johnson isn't causing, you know, a disruption. Of course it's causing a disruption. They, they're breaking in new quarterbacks and the number one wide receiver's not there. That, by definition, is a disruption. Mark, I've got to give credit to the Pirates for figuring out how to stage a seven-game losing streak. Right before Steelers training camp started, it began so no one would notice, and right up to the trade deadline so they can get rid of players and no one will care. O'Neal well, Cruz is a moron. That's, I'm, gonna, I'm like, how do you get picked off second base in the 10th inning? As the ghost runner. Yeah, that's just... I mean, he's becoming more Polanco-esque every day. But Polanco was a great talent and just didn't know how to play baseball. And I'm beginning to think the same is true with Cruz. The Cruz thing, it makes me laugh all the time now when no one compares his strikeouts to walks with, a, I think they're 46 to six now, or that he's hitting 206. Like those stats aren't supposed to matter, but people will quote chapter and verse any stat cast stat he has, like how fast he runs from first to third, how fast the ball comes off the bat or out of his hand from shortstop. He's a miles per hour guy. That's what we base judging him on, his miles per hour. So like I, he's a car. <laughs> so I will quote then Kyle Schwarber's stat cast from today, 441 feet, a home run in the opposite direction. The greatest stat cast opposite field home run for a Philly ever and 10th greatest of all time against the Pirates. So I guess stat cast matters in both directions. Yeah, I, I you know, seven losses. Now they're in last place. Yes. Seven losses in a row. They're in last place in the worst division in baseball. Exactly. And um, all the. I don't think they're going to trade Reynolds, though, do you? I don't think they're going to trade Reynolds. I don't think they're going to get very much for Quintana, though. Um, I don't think they're going to trade Bednar either, but yeah, Quintana, that creep can roll, which I always say in reference to Big Lebowski on every mention. Yes, and it's deserved because it's a much better movie than he is a pitcher. Yeah, oh, he's pitched pretty good. i got to give him credit. He's been good. I just was kind of hoping to get that ERA down towards 2.9 or something like that and make some eyes pop and get some more. Well, what am I, who am I kidding? More talent that will be turned around for more talent in the future, right? Yeah, whatever you said, Tim. I, I, I'm getting bored talking about the Pirates. <laughs> What'd you think of Greta Van Fleet? Uh, yeah, you and I were both at Greta Van Fleet and Rival Sons. And the, what was the opening band's name? The Velveteers. Yeah, I didn't see him. I sat in the in the uh, foyer at. Uh, and by the way, I really liked the, the Giant Center in Hershey. Uh, I was that your I'm first time the, there? It was for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about going back there for an AHL game. That is a classic minor league hockey rink. It really is with all the Hershey Bears memorabilia, the Hall of Fame the Calder Cup championship pictures on the wall. I, I really enjoyed that part of it, too. Gunnar Fleet is excellent every time you see him. Their musicianship is is terrific. It's kids doing it with an audience of at least half kids. They know all the words. The girls scream. 
you know, when you go see, you know, and this is no knock. Like when I go see like the groups I like, the, the heritage groups, the singer looks like he needs oxygen. Uh, Josh Kiska looks like he's going to have sex with the whole first row after the show. Uh, it's just, it's just an amazing, not only amazing musicianship, Tim, and great songs, but they have great stage presence, all of them. They have charisma just oozing. And the only thing, a small complaint, I think they're going too far with the jam band instrumental stuff. They they played for the best part of two hours and only played 12 songs. And they left out a few songs I'd like to hear, but I'm also aware that when you go see a band, you're not putting a quarter in and picking the songs on the jukebox. They can they can play what they like. So that is a very minor complaint. I, I really think they're the best rock band in America and have been for quite some time. I agree wholeheartedly, and I said the same thing to friends that I was with and spoke with after the show about the audience that was there. Um, I was down on the floor, and I'm pleased to report I was the oldest guy there. You know, like, I'm, I'm very happy to say that, because to your point, the, the older bands that I like to go see, heritage bands, uh, you know, alternative rock bands that are not alternative anymore, they're old too, Pearl Jam Tool, like bands that I like, it's an old white guy crowd, and this was a Taylor Swift crowd for a rock band. And I say that if it can be deemed as such as a positive compliment. Like, rock needs that. Rock needs high-pitched screaming girls watching a rock show who are 19 years old. Like, that helps. Oh, no question. I, I, I will say, too, that, uh, yeah, it's supposed to be kids. It's supposed to be something that involves kids doing it, loving it, the whole nine yards. I will say, though, your, your group, Rival Sons, that was the second band on, uh, I was impressed by them. Uh, I wish their set could have been a little bit longer, too. Yeah. You know what's funny? Greta Van Fleet always gets accused, and, and, and I fear that they'll never be quite as critically accepted as they should because they've been painted with the Zeppelin brush, not least by Robert Plant, who said, I've heard that voice, and I know where the singer barred it. Well, you know, F off, Robert. I, I know what you barred from, too. And I know who you and Jimmy cheated out of money. And I love Led Zeppelin, but for him to say anybody borrowed anything is just absurd. And Jimmy Page loves Greta Van Fleet, so there's that too. But but it was funny that, that Greta Van Fleet's the Zeppelin band, but your guys' rival sons. I don't know what the song's called. It was the second to last song. Oh, that's uh, secret. I think the song How was secret. How many more times? I kept waiting for, come on, say it. How many more times? <laughs> it was a, it's a direct lift, but it's still a great song. Those guys, Rival Sons, I like Dirty Honey. They do a lot more covers than I've ever heard Greta Van Fleet do. And I think Greta Van Fleet avoids it because they don't want to perpetuate the conversation. Oh, no, no. I don't, I'm not talking about doing covers. I'm talking about you know, lifting riffs, and there's a difference, obviously. Yeah, there is a difference. I'm just saying that those bands aren't afraid to do a cover or two. I wonder if Greta Van Fleet is because they don't want to be labeled as such even further than what they are. Well, Tim, you know, if you go online, on, on YouTube specifically, you can find videos of them doing Zeppelin covers when they were very young. Oh, yeah, I saw, I saw the one that was like literally like an outdoor concert in their treehouse or something like exactly. that. Yeah, I've seen that one. You know, I find myself wondering what they're like now, now that they've achieved all this and they're still really young. You mean personality-wise, you mean? Yeah, how they're handling it. Because when's the last time, you know, kids achieved this in rock? Because they're still, I, I think the oldest one's 25. That's still very young, right? Yeah, is that one of the Kiskas, or is that the drummer who's their friend? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. The youngest one is, is the bass player, Sam Kiska, who's like, I bet he's still like 22. 
Yeah, Sam, I interviewed. I know you interviewed the guitarist. I know Jake is excellent. Um, he's he's as good as you're going to find playing music live. Is there? He's fantastic. Yeah, but but here's another thing, Tim. You 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 got you got to like. I mean, I know they don't want to be compared to Zeppelin, but Jake's wearing a jacket with poppies and dragons on it. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. where have I seen that before? <laughs> You know, and, and I think there's a similarity in, in, in the presentation with Josh and Robert Plant, too. And one, I'm embarrassed to say, you know, it's just, but, but I mean, I, I don't blame them for that. But I, I just, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe they get it and they're kind of kind of playing at it a little bit. I don't know. Uh, Mark, how do you think it's going to go before Metallica? Will they, like, change their set list? Will they play just the hits, all the rock stuff, the heavier stuff to cater to that audience when they come to PNC Park? I don't know, Tim. I just know I'm leaving before Metallica. <laughs> Mark Madden. For... And, I, and I don't mean that to insult Metallica, but like, you know, it, it's like whenever I talk about Metallica, I just think they're like, and then the singer screams, and the singer screams. And then when Megadeth got together, wow, you could actually, there was actually a little air in the music, and there was actually some irony and humor in the lyrics. You know, I, I just think, I think Megadeth is what people imagine Metallica is. And Megadeth doesn't have as many songs that go on for eight or nine minutes, do they? No, they, 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 do, they do Metallica as a pop group. Plus, I've interviewed Mustaine, and he's not half as self-important, not a quarter self-important. Nobody could be as self-important as Lars Ulrich. So, uh, so, but no, I'm looking forward to seeing Greta Van Fleet in Pittsburgh. I think that'll be just, just terrific. And, and honestly, Tim... I am. I have become a uh, a a real a, a real uh, what's the word? Not pioneer, but but I am becoming the master of, of going to concerts and leaving after the opening act. I I left after Brian Wilson was done and blew off Chicago on Saturday. I'll be leaving after Foreigners done and blowing off Kid Rock. God, I'll be running screaming in the other direction from Kid Rock, and uh, and then I'll be uh, in all likelihood leaving. Gr- after Greta Van Fleet and not watching Metallica. Although I'm not ruling out seeing part of Metallica. What I'm hoping is that they play, you know, some of the songs that I like early and I can leave, which brings to mind 1980. I was 19 years old. A friend and I went to see what, uh, what David Coverdale of Whitesnake later dubbed the heavy metal sandwich tour. It was uh, Iron Maiden with the original singer, Paul Deano, pre Bruce Dickinson, Whitesnake in the middle Judas Priest, who just were starting to hit big with British Steel, and uh, as the headliner, so White Snake were brilliant. And uh, I say to my friend, I go, "Boy, I'm not really into Judas Priest. Not like I became, because they, you know, they put out a bunch of great songs mm-hmm. and albums." And I go, "I go, well, I really like, I really like, uh, like uh, Living After Midnight and Heading On Out to the Highway." I go, once they play those two, you know, maybe think about leaving. Tim, first two songs, gone. Heading out to the highway, and so you did. That's right. So so, so that's what I, I mean, I don't see that as insulting. I see it as being a discerning consumer. Speaking of discerning consumers, we've got Greta Van Fleet and Metallica at PNC Park right after the big concert with Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Poison, and Joan Jett. And those are the only two reasons I could think about going to PNC Park for the rest of the summer, Mark. I'm scared of that one. You are about how bad Motley Crue might be? How bad Vince might be specifically. Yeah. Um, I've seen some of the stuff online, and it's not flattering. And you know what? I, 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 
whenever you see Heritage Group following Greta Van Fleet in close proximity, the Heritage Groups do not do well by the comparison. Uh, I saw Greta Van Fleet a couple summers ago. I saw them in Chicago mm-hmm. and then went to Atlantic City to see them, to see Kiss one night <laughs> and uh, Journey one night. And I was like, why are these guys in slow motion? <laughs> and you're not going to get that Taylor Swift crowd at those shows. I can assure you that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not insulting those groups, but it is, it is a really stark dichotomy. It really is. Mark Madden, you can check him out Monday through Friday, 105.9 The X, 3 until 6. See him at and Sharky's. Tim, let's not forget, I'm at Sharky's on Tuesday. Yes. 3 to 6 to do my show. What is your preferred menu item at Sharky's? Uh, the traditional go-to uh, for Pursuit and I is the sausage and banana pepper pizza. Although I do love the crab cake sandwich. I love the crab cake sandwich a lot. Oh, I'm going to get that. Is it good? Yeah. The, if, it's, if it's still on the menu, I loved it. You know what else I hear is really good is, is their Philly cheesesteak. The cheesesteak is up there, and you can uh, they can arrange it for you however you like. I'll tell you what else I'm definitely getting, getting to because I, I got it. I went out there... Uh, I believe it was get the let out play at the palace on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And if I go to Pat the palace, that's the concert hall in Greensburg. If I go Saturday, uh, cause I don't have to come right from work. I'll go to Sharky's beforehand. It's always a good pre-concert venue. And now I understand that big pier. They have the deck. You can kind of go back and forth from both. So if you want to take a beer out to the deck, you can do it. You can want to bring a beer in. You can do it. I'm not a deck guy, not even at home, but, but what I was getting to is, the last time I was there, I had their pan nachos. Oh, very good. Yes. Which were very good. Yes. Yeah. So I will probably get the pan nachos upon arrival and then the uh, crab cake sandwich. All right. So my thanks to Mark Madden. Uh, we will have no Pittsburgh City Cast tomorrow, but we will be back for you on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. So be back with us on Wednesday. This is the Pittsburgh City Cast.